Check one, two, check one, two. Do I need to fiddle with There's this? There's a switch that you need to throw. That's on. Check one, two, check one, two. Check one, two. Check one, two, check one, two, check one, two. Check. You ready this morning? You excited to be here this morning? Oh, that's a poor response. <laughs> you know, you and me, I like, I like to be told uh, something from you all the time. Yeah? So when I say something, if you like it, say amen to me, okay? And I also like you to interact with one another. You're not coming to be a day, you're coming to be equipped here this morning, amen? I just want you to know that when I ask you to talk to your neighbor something, I want you to do it passionately, okay? Because your neighbor's alive, you're alive. And we are ready to be in the presence of God. Are you ready this morning to receive from the Word of God? Yes. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Let me just get all the greetings out of the way and a few things. Uh, I just want to bring you greetings from City on a Hill Church. As a church, we uh, pray for you and we are grateful to God for you. Okay, so I just wanted to know that your brothers and sisters in Christ are excited about you too. Amen? Oh, say amen to me. Come on. <laughs> Okay, I want you to smile. You're in a good place this morning. Smile, yeah. Don't. He said you won't come down. I just want to add a little more to Romans chapter eight, just to excite you a little bit. You know that's such a great chapter for us. You know there are three books in the New Testament that, other than the Gospels, that you need to really look at. One is Romans. Yeah, Hebrews is one, and Ephesians is another. These are the three builder books for your life. But Romans 8 is so special because it starts off with saying no condemnation. And the chapter ends with saying there's no separation from God. And in the middle of that chapter, there's an assurance that you're a son of God. Romans 8.15 says, we are sons and daughters of God. Amen? That's who you are. That's your position. Be confident about that. Just know who you are in Christ. You don't have to uh, be cranked up to be told that that's who you are. You know, you don't come in to worship, you are in the presence of God. You know that? You are. You're not trying to get into God's presence. The problem is that many times you want to try and get into God's presence. You are already in His presence. He says, as He is, so are you in this world. You are in His presence. You are that person. Amen? Because Christ in you, you know the Apostle Paul spent his whole life trying to teach us and tell us right through his epistles. Everything that he said was this one thing if you can remember. He says 153 times right through his epistles he says, In Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, then you are in a good position. Amen. You don't have to be put into a position. You are in a position already. Hallelujah. You're ready to receive the word of God this morning. I've not yet started. Uh, I, I just wanted to encourage you in that. You know, the cross is a beautiful thing for us to remember. Because you're not a product of your past. You're a product of the cross of Jesus Christ. So the cross speaks better things for you always. When you look to the cross, it reminds you not of your sin. It reminds you of a glorious savior. It reminds you of what you can do. Amen? Ah, hallelujah. My topic today is a very simple topic. I want to encourage you and excite you this morning. It's all in the practice. That's my message to you today. It's all in the practice. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew 14, 22 to 24. Uh, the scriptures will be up probably for you. Um, I'm going to read to you from the NKJV. I hope that's okay with you. 
Um, I don't want to get... But NKJV is good for you? Okay, good. So I normally read from the NASB, but NKJV is good. But I'm going to get a little shouty. I'm going to get a little excited in the Word of God, okay? Because the Word of God is exciting to us. Amen? It is alive. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen to me? Because the Word of God is alive. It is able to change you. It is able to deliver you. It is able to sustain you. Amen? That's why Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? And that's something which we need to hold on to and get excited with. And Jesus said in Matthew 14, He says, immediately, this is the gospel, immediately Jesus made His disciples get into a boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And He went, <clears throat> and when He had sent the multitude away, He went up to the mountain by Himself to pray. Now, when evening came, He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, and the wind was contrary. And there was trouble. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this word will come alive today to us. Lord, I pray that this word will touch a heart. I pray, Lord, that you show us your ways, O God. And as we serve, Lord, as we live our life for you, we pray, Lord, that we can live victoriously every single day of our life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you about assignment. We all have assignments in life. You know, we children get assignments from school. You go to college, you get assignments in college. You get married, you have an assignment to take care of your kids, your husband, your wife, whatever your assignment. We all have. You go to work, you get an assignment at work too. We always have assignments in life. But there is one assignment that we have in our life, which is God-given. And that is an important assignment that we never need to neglect. That's why the Apostle, oh, let me not say the Apostle Paul, let me say the writer of Hebrews, would say two, three, he would say something to you like this. He said, don't neglect that great salvation that you have. There is something that God has placed in us, an assignment. And this assignment, he says, I have saved you. In Ephesians, he talks about, I have saved you for good works that he prepared from the foundation of this world. Ephesians 2.10. <laughs> And God wants us to know that this assignment that He gives us is very important to our life. Because from that assignment that God has given us, every other assignment of our life functions. You cannot function apart from God because you were never made to function apart from God. You were created to function with God. You were never created to die. You were created to live. That's why He sent the Savior. And there is an important understanding that we need to have with this assignment. The Apostle Paul would say in Philippians 2.12 very openly to uh, the people because at that time when the Apostle Paul was speaking to uh, people, he was writing this from a prison. He was writing this to the people who were having issues in church over there. And he wrote to them and he said this, he said, I don't want you to obey me in my presence, but he says, I want you to obey me even behind. He says, what matters behind what? happens behind the scenes is very important to what happens in front. You think, we think that church on a Sunday is the important thing. This is not church. Let me burst you about This is not church. This is a celebration of what God has brought together. You are a celebration of what God is doing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that is church. Because you are the church and you are called to live out that church. We only come in, this is like, think about 
how you go to the pump and you need to fill up gas. Sunday is a place where you come, you fill up gas, you run right through the That's something which God wants in your life to understand. The church is not what we do here, but what we do behind. Church is what we live out every single day. And therefore, the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to neglect this great gift of salvation that God has put in. He says, he doesn't want you to work for your salvation. He wants you to work it out because God has placed something in you to work it out of you. And he does that every single day of your life. You, you sleep, he takes care of you. You wake up, he takes care of you. Why do you think he does all of that? Because he's placed greatness in you. There is greatness in every single person sitting here. Do you know you're not too old to serve God and you're not too young to serve God? The Apostle Paul would tell that to Timothy too. You're not too young. But let me tell you, you're not too old to serve God. Is there anybody here? Is there any Germans over here? Is anybody German? Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you know, you know who invented retirement? It was the Germans that invented retirement. You never ever retire from God. You never ever retire in anything in life because God never created you for retirement. Do you know why retirement was invented? It was invented to take away a man's dignity because they wanted to isolate him and they wanted to keep him aside and put him aside because a man's identity was in what he was, what was placed in him, what he did. And when they take away that identity, you lose that identity, you lose the value of life. So don't think retirement is great. In the kingdom of God, you never retire. Always remember that. You're never too old to serve God. You're never too old to preach the gospel. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Just tell your neighbor that. He's talking to me. Hallelujah, I lost my water. Okay, it's over here. I want to take you to something that will help you see what this assignment is all about. You see, we all like the big stage. We all like the glitz and the glamour. But we don't know what it takes to get to that place. There's a lot that takes to come to this point. We think that just because you're a preacher, that's the place. No, you can be a great prayer warrior. You can be a person that God has called because he's given you an assignment. Every one of us has, be, has got an assignment in life. And God gives that assignment tailor-made to the way he wants you to be. Many a times we get mixed up with that assignment and I'll talk to you about that. Are you ready for a little more? Yes. Sorry, I forgot something. I forgot to give you these two videos to play. The first one, the first one. I'm going to show you two small clips and I want to talk to you about it's all in the practice. I want to explain to you what it means about all in the practice. Are you ready to put that on? When you're ready, just give me a thumbs up and I'll, till then I'll keep on talking to you. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I, just, I just want you to understand something that an assignment that is given to us carries great value. The Apostle Paul, when he speaks to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, and he explains to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to take this assignment or the things that I've invested in you, Timothy. I want you now to invest. I'm going to paraphrase that for you. He says, I want you to invest that in others so that in turn, they will find faithful men 
to produce the gospel, to produce the assignment that God has given you. Are you ready for that? Yeah. I want to talk to you about what it is to understand when there is no practice, there is no glory. This is my first point to you. When there is no practice, there is no glory. Many times, it's not that we don't understand the assignment. It's not that you're not too clever. Many times we think that we need to have a certain aptitude to do things. Or we need to have a certain intelligent quotient. Or we need to be knowledgeable about things. It's not that. Many times we fail to practice the things that God has given us. And when we fail to practice them, we cannot produce greatness. Without practice, there is no greatness. I want, to look, I want you to look at this. This is Roger Federer. And I want you to see this shot that he produces. Can you... Is it okay? Is it, can you see it clearly? It's a bit blurry. Can you get some... that shot he repeats that shot over and over again and every single time he gets it but he took two years to perfect that shot he, he, he think about it that he performed the shot in a suit not in a tennis game he was there for a Gillette shoot actually he was doing an ad commercial for them and he performed the shot all the time, perfectly. Now we love the glitz and the glamour. It's so brilliant. It's beautiful. Wow. We like the wow factor in everything. But we forget that there's a lot of practice that's involved. And many times we miss out on that. Do you know there was a very famous French tennis player called Henri Leconte. And Henri Leconte was a, a great entertainer. His best career his best position on the ATP circuit was number five in the world. And he was a great entertainer. And Roger Federer was asked this. He was, say, he was asked this question and he says, Do you like to entertain crowds? And Roger Federer said this. He says, I'm here to be the very best in tennis first. And then, through that, I can entertain people. God wants us to be the very best 
in what he has given us. You don't necessarily have to be a preacher or a worship leader or a great evangelist that packs his bags and goes to another nation. You don't need to be that. You need to be the very best. You need to know what is that assignment that God has given you to perform on this earth to be the very best. You can be the very best at simple things in life. You know, I remember putting a person in church to handle serving, handle the serving ministry. And this person was perfect. They did a great job. But there was so much of aggro, there was so much of perfection involved in it that every time I would, have, I would hear complaints, oh, this is not happening, that's not happening. And I realized, I sat back and said, hang on, maybe that assignment is not yours. I, got, I looked at what God wanted me to put as a person in that place and I had to remove that person from that place in church, remove that person from that position and put another person in that position and that person was the one whose assignment it was to serve perfectly, seamless. I never hear a complaint. You know who that person was who complained all the time? It was my own daughter. It's very important for a pastor to understand. Whilst you, they might be a family, but it's my duty to understand who to put where in the right place. So, and sometimes we need to understand what is our position in the body of Christ too? What is that assignment that God has given me in the body? So that the body may grow into maturity. It's very important for us to get a hold of that. I want to bring to you a person over here from the Bible. Because I don't want to take you around uh, and teach you about tennis. That's not the aim. That was just an example for you. I want to talk to you about what is this assignment? What is the importance of this? There was a man in the Bible called Joseph. In, in Genesis 45, Joseph... Uh, was this great gifted person. Now listen to me. You can be a very gifted person. You can be an anointed person. But. You can have, still have problems. Let me explain to you. Joseph was a man who had a great dream from God. He had a great interpretation to the dream. He was brilliant with it. But understand there was one thing that was lacking. And that was the practice. What he could not learn in his father's home. He had to learn in Potiphar's home. He was pampered in his father's house. He had to be practicing in Potiphar's house. He learned a new language. He learned how to be an astute governor. He held the house. He did things that he never did in his father's house. So it is important to understand, you might be gifted. You might be talented. You might be anointed. But if you're not practicing the things of God, you're going nowhere. When you, I, I just want you to understand something. Many times people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm really good at this. I can do that. I can do the other. I said, just stick around laying chairs for a couple of years, a couple of months, and then we'll talk. It's not in what you can do. It, it is what God has done for you that is very important. If you cannot get an understanding of that, you will never be successful. It is all in the practice that when we practice the things of God, when we practice the precepts of God, Joseph thought he was a son. And everybody had to bow down to him. But hang on princess, you got a lot to learn. He had to learn a lot. There was something that God was teaching him. And that is from Isaiah 28 and 10. Where he says line upon line, precept upon precept. God doesn't teach you 
any other way. He wants you to learn line upon line, precept upon precept. He wants you to understand that he's working with you. And unless you learn the basic principles, you're going nowhere. Many times we want to do the big things for God, but we fail in the small things for God. I want to do this. You may want to do many things in church, but is that what God wants of you? Is that what your pastor wants of you? It's very important to understand because Joseph had to learn it the hard way. And let me tell you something that Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? In the Old Testament, Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. And Joseph had to learn things the hard way. Think about it. After he perfected, he was practiced in Potiphar's house. He had to go 40 years to prison for no rhyme or reason. And many times we feel, oh, I'm so talented and I'm so good at this. And pastor just doesn't recognize my gifting. I know I can do it so well. And they overlook me. Think about it, how Joseph felt. 14 years in prison for no rhyme or reason. But there was something that God was doing in his life. Many times, when you're not used, don't think you're being used. Maybe God is teaching you something. He's teaching you patience. He's teaching you something new. He's giving you some more precepts to learn in your life. Many times we fail in the precepts. And we have to relearn those precepts again and again. Do you know, after Joseph was faithful in prison, he was called to be the prime minister of the nation. Do you know what he was called in prison? Uh, in the Egyptian language, he was called Zafana Benai. You know what that means? It means Savior of the world. That was the type of Jesus he was. He truly represented Jesus Christ. He was a true representation of Christ. And that is what God wants for us. God wants the very best for us. He gives us the very best. You and I have received the very best in Jesus Christ. Now it is for us to get the greatness out of us there. What is my assignment? You know, before you can try to disciple anybody, you need to be a good disciple. Many people fail in discipling people because they've never been a good disciple themselves. And it takes years to be a disciple. I remember in my early days, um, I, was a, <laughs> I was a general manager in a company, but God had called me, I knew, to ministry. And I... And being a general manager, you know, you're, you're taking care of 120 people and you think you're the BZ. And I had a pastor over there, <laughs> this was in Dubai, and he showed, he, he said, I said to him, I want to learn more things. I want to be uh, trained in the Word of God. You know what he said to me? He says, you want to learn the Word of God? You want to be a disciple? Come at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I hated to get up that early, early morning. I hated it. But there was something that I had to learn. And unless I gave myself to those things that were faithful of those things, I could never produce the things that God wanted me to produce. I might have been good at my work, but I needed to be good at the things of God. And when I was good at the things of God, I got better at the things that I was working at. It's something to understand that God is working on you every single day of your life. He's, he's excited about you. Many times we feel that God is not excited about us. That God is, you know, God is overlooking me. God is not, I've got so much to offer. I've got so much in my life. 
God is working. When there's nothing happening in your life, there is something happening in heaven. Be confident of that. Never ever forget that. God is preparing you for greatness. Do you believe that? God is preparing every one of you for greatness. He just wants you to be practiced in the things that he has called you to. He wants you to be well practiced. And many a times, let me, can I give you a personal example? You know, I'm married 27 years. And my wife, um, she makes a cup of tea for me. How many of you know that, you know, when she, make, she makes a cup of tea for me perfect? But there are times when we don't get along with each other. And she doesn't have to say anything to me. I can taste the tea and know it's not perfect. <laughs> How many of you know that? Maybe some of you have had a burnt egg. <laughs> yeah. Burnt breakfast or burnt toast. <laughs> I don't know. But let me tell you something. She doesn't have to say very much to me. I can tell. It's in the taste. You see, I can say, what's happened with the tea? And you see, it's not about her making tea or making me a cup of tea year in and year out she's not practicing making tea what she's doing by making tea is she's practicing love you see many times we misunderstand our assignment that we have an assignment but we don't like it but maybe God is showing you I'm giving you that assignment because I'm teaching you something else many times we forget that and we give up the assignment. We too easily give up. Now, today, the, the millennial generation, they're called the quarter generation. The reason is they give up too easily. They've got too many options. The thing is that it's not about choosing an option. It's about knowing what God has called you to. There will always be an option. But do you know what God has called you to? Are you practicing the things of God? If you want glory, you need to practice. You saw Roger Federer up over there. I'm going to give you another clip shortly. But don't worry. Let's go to the next point. Are you ready for the next point? Are you okay for the next point? The next point is practicing your assignment. I want you to understand something in practicing your assignment. Many a times, I like the other person's assignment. I want his assignment for my life. I want her assignment for my life. I, it's not in what you want. It's what God has given you. And until you practice that, and until you do that, you will never be perfect at it. You'll always struggle. Many times, oh, I'm, I keep on doing this and it, I just don't seem to be good. You know, I, I took up golf. I, I play good cricket. So I took up golf because I had to do it for, because I was working and the clients and my company and all that sort of stuff. So I had to learn golf. So I learned golf. But there is something in golf that I was told is that you can be a natural at golf or you can practice golf and become good at it. And I've, I never ever played golf in my life. At 40, I picked up golf. But then I realized if I practice that, I'll be able to be good. I eventually became a seven handicapper. It's because I just picked up, I practiced and practiced. I was not a natural golfer, but I picked it up. I want you to understand something is that I can be to a point, I can pick up something and practice it. I can be good at it, but I cannot be a Tiger Woods. Because that was never what God wanted me to do. It might have been a passion that I had. It might have been something I wanted to do, but not what God wanted me to do. And God, when He wants you to do something, you know, I played cricket when I was in Dubai. I played cricket. I played with the Australian team. 
I've played with the New Zealand team and I've played with the English team as well. I've played with the guys in the time of Alan Moore and not that time. When they were at the top and they used to come to, to Sharjah to play the tournaments over there, I've played with them. I was good at cricket, not so good at golf. Maybe the things that God had put in my heart and into me that I played and played naturally, that is what God wants us to develop. He's put something into us. He's put that greatness into us. Now he wants us to develop that. And the practice, practicing the assignment that God has given you is so important. Let me, let me put up the second video for you. It's a very simple video. It's of Ronaldo, a football player. Thank Seven hours a day, he practices just that one dodge. Seven hours a day. That's other than the practice that he had with the team, which is three hours. That's why he is, he costs $100 million to the club. You are worth much more to God than $100 million. God has put great value in you. Hundred million dollars is nothing compared to what God has put into you. You are the apple of God's eye. You are special to God. And when you understand that assignment that God has for you, you will be the very best. I want you to understand something that David was a man. Do you know David was the forgotten son of his father? He was actually considered to be uh, a neglected child. Today, we would send David to counseling and therapy. But David turned out to be the very best in worship. He did not allow his circumstance and the situation to dictate what God was doing in his life. When everybody forgot him, he never forgot God. You see, there is something. David was not at the anointing. He was at the practice. Remember that? He was with the sheep practicing what God had called him to be 
a shepherd. Whilst all the other brothers were at the anointing, they wanted the glory spot. He was at the practice. If you want to be at the anointing, first be at the practice. Get to the practice. And that's what God has for each one of us. A practice. Think about it. David was such a humble person. Do you know when David picked up the stones to, to knock Goliath out, he, he only needed one stone. But he picked up five. He was humble. Your practice will make you humble. Don't let your practice make you proud. He was only one stone, but he was humble to take five, just in case I miss one. But God knew what he was doing to David. There is something that we need to learn in the practice every single day of our life. The worship that you see over here, we see what is happening here, but we don't see what's happening behind the scene. We don't see all the practice, the wrong chords, the things that happen, the, the, the not gelling and all that sort of thing that happens in worship. We look at, we want to see perfect worship. Could you imagine if she strikes a wrong key? And you'll be home. Think about it. But we, we don't know what happens in the back end of things. Many times we only know what happens in the front. And God is not always in the stage he's in the practice because in the overflow of the stage the stage is only an overflow of the practice so when we practice we are still worshiping God whatever you do do unto the Lord when you serve serve unto the Lord that's what the scripture says that's what we're called to do. That's how we serve. That's how we practice the things of God. That's how we become spiritual giants. We don't become spiritual giants. We look at David. We love the David and Goliath story. It's famous in the world. Even non-Christians believe that. The David and Goliath story. How great it is. We love all of that. I want to be that David. I want to be that Joseph. But what about the practice? Are we going to get to the practice? Many times we fail. Not because we don't have. But because we don't practice. And this is what the final part is. You would have wondered, hmm, this guy started off with the gospel of Matthew and then he didn't speak anything about it. Hang on, I've got something for you. I'm taking you to the third part. The third part is about practice brings perfection. Yeah, yeah Matthew, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. To, yeah, Matthew 14, sorry, 14, 22. Again, I'm bringing up that part. You remember, at this point, I want you to understand this. Practice brings perfection. You know, Jesus in Matthew 540, 5.48 said, He says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, what do you mean by that? Is he talking that you need to be perfect? No, what he's saying is that be perfect as your Father in heaven. He's referring to a Levitical passage. In the book of Leviticus, he's talking about worship. He says, when you come into God's presence, he says, I want you to be perfect in the way you do it. That means pay attention to the things that God has put into you. Don't neglect those things. Don't come just, oh, I have to rock up. No, you don't rock up. If you're going to see the Prime Minister of the nation, or you're going to see the Queen of it, do you know, I have the opportunity to meet the Sheikh in the bar. Do you know when you're, to get to meet the person, you need to have a protocol. That means they teach you a protocol before you get into the presence. 
That means when you come before the Shaykh, you have to say, Your Highness. And they tell you what to say. They tell you how to hear. You never turn your back on royalty. You need to step backwards and move away sideways. You never turn your back on royalty. All that protocol. You belong to the King of Kings. You come to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. How important is that? How important is that? So when you come to worship, you're not just coming because somebody's called you, or you're not just rocking up. You are coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is a certain protocol that we need to have in our heart for God. Many times we eat a pizza and he says, how awesome it is. Don't waste your words on calling a pizza awesome. Because a pizza will change. God is awesome. Use the right words for God. Don't use them on pizzas. Don't use them on things like, oh, this is, oh, this is to die for. No, nothing's to die for. He died for you. We, we use terms, we use terms that we don't mean many a times, or we don't understand the implications. You know, your words have power. Your words have power. Jesus says, your words will equip you, your words will condemn you. Do you know even a person who's an atheist like Stephen Hawking? How many of you know Stephen Hawking? Yeah, he's an atheist. And you know that he's proved that your words have power. Do you know that? He has proved that words, when they're spoken, they don't dissipate, they fill the atmosphere, they remain. That's why you have to be careful what you say because your words have power. The prince of the power of the air can pluck those words and take those words and use it against you. That's why he stands as your great high priest before God. That's why he stands as your advocate before God. When he stands over there and the, the devil says, look how horrible your child is, he says, forgive him. That's the power. That's who you are. That's who you belong to. That's, the, that's what we are all about. We are not all about just coming to church. We are more than that. Remember this. Today, people outside in the world might think that you're a whack job. You're a nutcase. That's what they would say to you. Do you know your adoption is now known to the church? Do you know that you are adopted sons and daughters of God? Correct. Romans 8, 15, I already said to you. Do you know your adoption is known now to you and to the church? But there will come a time in the book of Revelation where it talks about this, that your adoptions, God will make known your adoptions as a son of God to the world. And the world will look and they will be jealous of who you are. So don't give up on what God has put into you. Don't, don't take your position in church, don't take your position in God lightly. It is something of great value. That's why practice the things of God. Keep at the things of God. Don't give up. And let me explain to you over here. We look at this part over here. Jesus in Matthew 14. He just performs a great miracle. He feeds 5,000 people. He does a great job of feeding 5,000 people. But then he says to the crowd, Okay, guys, go off. He puts the disciples in the boat and says, Get to the other side. And Jesus goes up to the mountain and prays. Hang on, he's God. He's got it all together. He's cool, man. He can just do it. He just has to say the word and he's done. He doesn't have to go and pray. Come on. He has a relationship with the Father. He is gone. He's connected. But what is he teaching us? He performs a great miracle. And then he goes up to the mountain. And he comes back again to the disciples. They were in the middle of a storm. They were struggling. Just like us. We are struggling in life. With many things in our life. Many issues in our life. When we have children, we got problems. When we got grandchildren, we got problems. We got, just keep getting problems in our life. And we go, oh, my work is a problem. Oh, I retire, I'm a problem. Everything is a problem. We have problems.
point in their life, just like the disciples, they were on the boat and they had problems. And he comes and calms us. A great miracle. He calms the storm. Fantastic. Wow. Awesome stuff. Now that's where you use the word awesome. Awesome stuff. Man, he just calms the sea. He speaks. Done. Two great miracles. Let me stop at this point. I had an opportunity to be in New York in 2007 and I was told to go to this great place where they do a, a great sandwich over there, a pastrami sandwich. On Fifth Avenue, there was a small deli, great stuff. The sandwich was par excellence. But many times the people always talked to the owner and talked to the people and said, the, oh, the bread is good, the bread is really good, the bread is really good. So what the owner decided, uh, this was in 2006, and this became a big news item. In 2000, sorry, 2008, 2009, he decided to alter the sandwich. He said, since the bread is so good, what he did was that he reduced the meat inside the bread. Because the meat used to be almost the size of the thickness of the bread. That's how thick the meat was inside. It was really tasty. Excellent relish and all. Oh, that was brilliant. If you ever go to New York, go and have the pastrami sandwich. You know what I'm talking about. You know, he altered the meat. He altered the meat in the sandwich and his business failed. You know that? He had people stopped coming over there because something changed in the sandwich. Although the people said the bread, the bread. They talked about the bread was so good, the bread was so good, the bread was so good. They forgot that it was the meat. Many a times we look, Jesus performed his first miracle, which was great, and he performed the second miracle, but it's the meat that is in the middle. He practiced. What God had called him to do, he practiced his prayer life. The meat that is there, you know, Jesus is that meat in your life. He is the meat of the matter. And if you don't understand what Jesus is doing in your life, and you don't understand the, the position that you've been put in, or the place that you've been placed in to perform, you will always be short. You will always fall short because the lack of practice. The miracles seemed great, but it was not in the miracles. Jesus was praying when he knew there was a storm. He did not pray during the storm, he prayed before the storm. And that's something to get into our heart to understand that God was always in the meat. We love to see all the razzmatazz. We love the glitz and glamour. We love all the miracles and all that. Yes, we need miracles. Hallelujah, we do need that. We need miracles in our life. But we also need to know that it's all about Jesus. It's that meat. And Jesus practiced the things that God had called him to do, even though he was God. And he is our example. He is the meat of the matter. Can I close with this and explain to you something? In the beginning was the word and the word was God. Do you know the word that he uses over there? The word is called Logos. And everybody understands the word Logos. And John the Apostle John used the word Logos. What is the word Logos? Where did it come from? How did this word Logos come from? The word Logos came from a term that was used by a scientist historian called Herodotus. And I had an opportunity to be in uh, recently, about a couple of months ago, in Turkey, in a certain part of Turkey, in Bodrum, a place which was actually originally Greece, was now taken over by Turkey. And it was there that Herodotus was actually, I had, there was a huge statue over there. He was, uh, he was the founder of history and science. And I had an opportunity to be in his hometown. I was taken over there as a, uh, to see this place called Bogdan. Uh, 
this historian Herodotus, he coined the word logos. You know, we get the word bios. Biology comes from bios. Geo, geo, works, geology. We talk about study of the rocks and those sort of things. We talk about these are all study, biology, bios. The word we study biology, but the word logos. He coined the word logos. The word logos means this. He says the word logos means the very reason all these studies, everything that exists in life is because of logos. The word logos was coined because the very reason that it means, the very reason of existence. The word logos means the very reason of existence. He used the word for Jesus. Jesus is the reason for your existence. So don't just read it as Logos. He is the reason for your existence. And because of Jesus and what He's done for you, therefore you can do. You can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. It is all in the practice, church. It is something for us to hold on to as I close, as I bring it to a close right now. It is all in the practice. Am I good for time? Yep. I would have given you much more, but uh, Nick told me two hours, right? You said no. I just want to close with this for you. What is, what is it that God has called you to? Do you know your place in the body of Christ? You know, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and says, very simply, he says, we are all part of the body and we all function in that part. We function as that part. Many times he says, think about it, the nose wants to be the ear, the ear wants to be the toe, and the toe wants to be the head. It's not going to function. He says, we all have a part to play. Do you know your part that you're playing in church? Do you know your assignment that God has for you in church? You can come to church and come to church and come to church and never know your assignment. Never know what God has put into you. But you've been not put to sit on a pew. You've been put to change the expression of God on the earth. God is not going to speak anymore. He's going to use the church to speak. The church is the voice of God on the earth, and you are that voice. If you don't take your place, and if you don't take up your assignment, then nothing is going to happen. Church is going to be church. But if you take up your place, and you take up your position, and you know what God has called you to, then you're going to see great things happen in your life. You're going to see things change. You know, people say Christianity has become irrelevant. The message is irrelevant. Because the younger generation don't have time. Everything's a sound bite. Everything's a sound clip. Everything's a Snapchat. And that's what it is all about. But we don't need to be, we need to be people who can change the expression of Christianity. Be like the Apostle Paul. I can be all things to all men and win some. We need to be like that. We need to be people relevant in our time. We need to have a relevant message with us. Just what worked 10 years ago may not work today. 20 years ago you built a house, the building code was different, today it's different. Why? Because you need to adapt with times. 
What the apostle Paul did then may have been good for him then, but it's not good now. Today, your message, you don't lose the meat of the matter, you just change the way you are. You become that message. Many a times we spend our life reading the message or reading the word of God rather than being the word of God. I had another clip for you. I'm not going to play that clip for you because I decided not to bring it over here. You see, there was this great evangelist that was in China recently and he was here, he was taken to an underground meeting where all leaders were, were meeting together and he asked us, he talked them all and they learned and they, they were so good. They, they were really good to him when he was there, he attentive. And he had 20 copies of Bibles and then he gave out them. And there were about 30 people over there. And he said, okay, turn to 2 Peter. I want you to read from 2 Peter. And he saw a woman give the Bible to her neighbor. The one who never had it, she gave it to them. And he said, oh, what a, he thought, what a rude person. And the next thing she did was she recited the whole chapter. He asked her, when did you learn this? She said, prison teaches you a lot of things. I would have loved to have played the full clip for you. It would have been a brilliant clip for you to see. But it's something important to understand. Is that when you know your assignment, you can function. You don't need a Bible, you need to be the Bible. Many times we've got three Bibles on our shelves which we don't read. You need to be the Bible. That's the greatness that God has put into you. When you read your Bible, read your Bible as if you're, you're interacting with Jesus. Don't read the Bible in a third person. Don't read it as a story. No, it's not a story. It's a reality. He says, well, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was God. He was a God in the beginning. What does Jesus say to you is that, hey, can I have your name? John. John. He said, John, I was with God. Do you know that, John? That's how he saw people. When you read the word, that's how you look at the word and understand. Hey, John, I was with God. Nothing was made without you, John. Do you know that? Do you believe that, John? That's how he's talking to you when you read the word. He's not talking to you in third person. It's a big name. John, the big name was the word, the word was with God. Do you know you like that story? No. He's talking to you in the first person. And when you get it in the first person, you get it firsthand, that's how you can relate firsthand to the gospel. Amen? Can I just close and pray for you right now? I want to bless you this morning and say, The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance and give you peace. Go out in peace. Know that God is your strength. Know that He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always there to lift you up. He will always strengthen you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God bless you, church. Thank you this morning. Thank you very much, Ray. It's wonderful. Uh, that's the challenge, isn't it? Is to, to do the stuff in the background, to live the practice, to not just be... To not just be interested in the bread, but also in the meat, in the middle. Um, I really like that illustration. Thank you, Randy. That was, that was really good. Uh, for those of you that are interested, we have a group of people that are starting to do some uh, discipleship lessons. Uh, if you'd like to learn 
how to do the spiritual practices. Just have a chat to myself and say, hey Nick, I want, I want to be part of this I want to be part of this experiment. I want to, I want to be part of learning. How, how do I read my Bible? How do I pray? I want, to, I want to practice that. I want to practice what it is to follow Jesus in the background so that I can do the mission that is given to me to do in all of my life. We're going to finish right there. Um, I'm, I'm standing here and looking at that. Uh, for those of you that were here last week, we had a sermon on fasting, which is one of those background things that you can do to, to focus your attention on God. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, morning tea table, and we'll be happy to know that we can talk about fasting this morning. Uh, I can see some amazing stuff there. Uh, just to tell you before you go, uh, next week we start our new series on... Um, we don't talk about that. Uh, you know, there's some things that do as a church, and not just our church, men's church, churches in general, we don't talk about it. Because we think that if we talk about them, our faith will be destroyed. Or we think that uh, people will judge us. So we're going to start this week, we're going to look at doubt, and then we're going to look at depression, and then we're going to look at death, and we're hoping to get a bit of a panel the first week of July for all those questions, you know, the things that we don't talk about. Uh, it's going to be a chance to talk about the things that we don't talk about. Uh, and try and see what God says about those. So, if you have a question that you go, you know what, I, I, I wish we would talk about this thing that we don't talk about. Uh, right to the end, stick in the offering next week. Um, if, if you're worried about something, stick in the offering next week. If you struggle with something and you're too ashamed to mention it because, you know what, Christians don't struggle with this sort of thing. A, it's a lie. B, because it's a lie, put it in the offering bag and let's talk about it. Uh, we're going to finish, but as we finish, we're going to ask Robin, who very kindly has come up to the front to play some guitar. We're going to take up the offering. Uh, uh, Graham's going to do that for me. Graham and John.
this is up there. Jenny Kaiman. Yeah. Oh, nice. Because there's something super